You're listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. Sex gets real. With Don Sarah. With Don Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Happy New Year, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode with Mona Darling. We have some kinky, kinky fun goodness. And also a heads up to Patreon supporters. I have an exclusive little chat with Mona that's just for Patreon supporters who support at the $5 level and above. We talk all about why women should work with pro-doms and sex workers and what Mona loved about working with women when she was a sex worker. So you'll definitely want to check that out. It is actually a really fun, delicious little chat that we have. So be sure to check that out. And if you don't already support the show, just go to patreon.com slash sex gets real and you can support the show too, which I love every single dollar that all of you so generously offer. Also, don't forget to check out my upcoming O-School streams. They are free and happen every single Wednesday. This coming week on January 10th, 2018, I am streaming all about death, sex, and Twilight. The entire stream is going to be all about the Twilight movies and books and what they offer us about love and sex and romance. So if you are a Twilight fan, or if you absolutely can't stand Twilight, (laughs) everybody's welcome. It's free and live and you can chat with me. I also have upcoming streams on O-School, on pegging in Hollywood, on kissing, and uh, a whole bunch of other really fun topics. John Hughes and 80s movies, Ryan Gosling, The L Word, Buffy, and it's all free. So head to o.school, that's the URL, and make sure that you sign up. They'll email you every day with a list of all the free streams that day, you can support me and all of the other pleasure professionals. So this week, there's a fellow O-Schooler, Mona Darling. We chat all about being dominant and pet play, orgasm control and orgasm denial, getting started in kink, how she found her way to being a successful pro-dominatrix, and a lot of other really fun, juicy content, including a couple of listener questions about how to be a good dominant outside of the bedroom in a 24-7 dynamic, plus getting started in a daddy-little-girl dynamic. Mona Darling is a former professional dominatrix who now teaches women and couples to discover, embrace, and communicate their kinks. So here is my chat with the incredible Mona Darling. Welcome to Sex Gets Real. I'm super excited for our kinktastic conversation today. Oh, kinktastic. Yay! I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. We got connected because we are both pleasure professionals over at O-School. Yay. Oh, school. Yay. I know. So hopefully people will go and check out your stream because you're doing some awesome conversations over there. I am. I hope. Um, I like to think so. Um, I host uh, kinky conversations with Mistress Mona every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. And uh, every week there's a, a loose topic. But as with all good conversations, we don't always stay on topic. Um 
but it's always it's always fun. Uh, I tell lots of stories from when I was my experiences in the dungeon as a professional dominatrix. Um, I answer a lot of questions, and uh, we have a lot of a lot of laughs. <laughs> That's important. Kinky sex is funny. Yeah, it is. And I feel like so many people take it way too seriously. Yeah. It should be fun and playful and and all of the things. Like there's such a range of experiences you can have with kink, but it doesn't have to always be super, super, super serious. Yeah, I'm I'm not a super serious person. And I tried so, so hard. Um, when I first got into kink, it was the late 90s back in the day. Um, and uh, all the advertising was for, you know, these ice goddesses that were just stunning and beautiful. And I felt like the dorky little nerd girl and like, yeah, I don't think I, I just can't be like that. And I tried, but the more I tried, the less my clients enjoyed their time with me, the less clients I had repeat their time with me and um, the less fun I had. And so then I became the goofy, weird dom who, I was a switch actually at that time, who uh, did a lot of like uh, comic book role play and um, just weird, you know, games of chance with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ten-sided die. And, uh... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> if the seven comes up, it's CBT time. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I love Indeed. That. Yeah. Someday I am going to design my own gamer die and they're going to have like little designs on each side that represent different things. And it'll come in a set because, you know, you have to know how many minutes you're going to have to endure this, right? Ooh, that um, sounds like a delicious game. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, yes. So because you love gaming and play and being your lovely self. I know that you've been working on something that I'm super excited to see birthed into the world, which is like a kinky activity book. I would love yes. to hear all about that. Oh my God. I'm so excited about this. I've been working on it for so long. It's like getting so close and it's like that last, the finish line is in sight. Ugh. Um, it's a very whimsical, um, uh, book for people who are interested in exploring BDSM that are new to BDSM. Um, and if you have more experience, you'll get something from it as well. But uh, my primary um, audience are people who are new, who are curious about themselves and BDSM and kink. And um, it's modeled after a kid's activity book. So there's paper dolls on the back kinky, of course. Um, and there's color pages and mazes um, because we all try to, you know, take a lot of wrong turns while trying to find ourselves. Um, so it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of really useful information and then there'll be word finds where you get to look for the new words that you're adding to your vocabulary. It's, 200 pages of fun. Wow. Yay. 200. <laughs> I know. I was actually sort of surprised about that too. I was thinking, oh, this will be a fun little like pamphlet. It's like, Poof. it's, it's big. Wow. It's yeah. It's like, you know, eight and a half by 11 
full size. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds so fun. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, that's, I want it to be fun and I want people to uh, have fun exploring. But the other thing that I really, really want to emphasize for people that are, um, getting into kink and BDSM is that the very, very most important thing is not how to give a good spanking, like hold your hand like this, hit here. It's actually to get into the mind of the person you're playing with and find out what their emotional needs are and where they want to go. Because you can, you know, give the greatest spanking technically, but if emotionally you haven't connected, you're just missing mm -hmm. the point. In the games section, every game starts with uh, a description and then the emotional uh, needs that can be met with that game and um, the emotions that it play that game plays with and how to address those. And then it goes into like the physical. I am so glad you said that because I think that's something that's missing from a lot of conversations about kind of kink 101. I've certainly been to like my kink 101 nights at local dungeons and it's largely skill-based. It's largely here's how you throw a whip or here's how you use a violet wand or here's how you do fire play. And I think those skills are super important, but I, I'm so glad that you're focusing on the emotional and the mental aspects of it because in my experience and my experience is is paltry compared to yours but in my experience you know the juiciest times that I've been in any kind of kinky situation as a submissive or you know doing any kind of like pain play has been when it's it there's a connection and when we've taken the time to to kind of craft something that would take me emotionally through a journey or the person that I was playing with to give them some kind of really juicy, yummy, either support or expression. And those are skills that I think a lot of people would love to be able to have and, and play with, but they don't really know where to start because just culturally in general, we're pretty terrible at emotional intelligence and communication. And you kind of oh, have yes. to be able to talk to someone to find out what their emotional needs are. So I love <laughs> you doing this. Um, it started because I kept talking to people to, you know, I do coaching with couples and one of the couples would be like, oh, I don't, and I, I just, I can't be into that. Like they're into this and like, I just don't, I can't do it. And so then when we start talking about it, um, it's easier to come to a, or it's just it, very often we come to a common ground once we start looking at the emotions behind things. Um, and I'm so used to keeping secrets. It's hard for me to give examples sometimes with uh, <laughs> like, oh. um, I'll use gags, for example, mm -hmm. gags. People think that gags, oh, you just shove it in your mouth, your submissive's mouth. But there's so like, there's so many nerve endings in the mouth. There's so much emotion in the mouth. Um, does the person want the gag to muffle their voice? Does the person want the gag to um choke them does do they just want to feel like 
something against their lips? Do they want to have their mouth held open? Do they want their mouth played with while the gag's in there? Um, a gag is such a simple thing, but once you start looking at the emotional needs, you know, do they want, is it a playful thing? Is it a sexy thing? Is it a threatening thing? Um, you know, when you start looking at those and then looking at the physical, like it's just, it's much more involved. Even a simple gag is so involved. Well, and, and to approach it from the emotional needs and also the emotional wants and desires sets you up for so much more success. Once you start exchanging those um, emotional needs, you start building trust. Um, or maybe you start building trust and then you start sharing those emotional needs, actually. Um, but when you start sharing those um, parts of yourself that you and examining those parts of those, yourself, because some people have these interests and they don't quite even understand, you know, as a pro-dom, I cannot tell you how many times I've had people just be like, I I want to be dominated. What does that mean to you? Well, I, 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 I want you to put me in panties. Okay. Well, what, wh why, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, what is your interest? And sometimes it's because people don't realize, well, of course, everybody wants to be put in panties because they want to be humiliated and, and panties are the most humiliating thing that you can do is, you know, that you can wear. Um, so, so people just don't understand that there are a lot of other emotional connections to these activities. For people who are new to kink, for people who pick up your activity book and they've maybe done a couple of things or they've read a couple of books, based on all of your experience as a pro-dom and as an educator, what do you think are just some of the most important pieces for people to just even start asking themselves or to start thinking about as they look ahead towards engaging with others and trying things out, maybe even initiating some scary conversations with partners, like for, for newbies, what do you most wish people would kind of just inquire within about and, and kind of start playing with first? I wish that people could understand and really truly understand that there is no right way to do anything. There's only what's right for you. And that is especially important in kink and BDSM because as we were talking at the beginning where we we're talking about, you know, me trying to be what I thought I was supposed to be as a pro-dom, um, aloof ice goddess uh, that just didn't work for me because that was not me. Um, and when I started being who I truly was a little more authentic, um, even though that wasn't what most people thought of when they thought of as a pro-dom, that's when my sessions and my playtime started working really well for me. And it's the same thing with any anybody going into uh, play. It's not something that you do a certain way. There is no right way to do it. Um, the right way to do it is to look at the things that really interest you, the emotions that, that really interest you, and to be honest with yourself, um, which can sometimes be hard, um, and to be honest with your partner. And some of those emotions, like women who are strong feminists and who are just, you know, run their own companies and do you know or they're, you know, just amazing stay-at-home moms or you know, they're just really amazing feminists. 
but in the bedroom they have rape fantasies or submissive fantasies and it's really hard for people to come to grips with like well this is i'm there's nothing wrong with me for having these feelings that this is something that i can work out and that i can play with a, a safe partner um as long as i communicate everything and i'm honest with myself and it's not abusive and there's consent involved it's not it doesn't take away from the fact that you are a strong, amazing woman. One of the things that I have definitely gotten questions about in the past, and I know you have a stream coming up about it, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is people expressing some interest in pet play. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Um, why do people do it? How do I get started? And so I would love it if you could just kind of talk a little bit about what pet play is and why people do it and why it might be something interesting for people to try if it's something that they've either never considered or they've kind of wrinkled their nose at. Um, pet play is really fun. It's unfortunately one of those things that I think, you know, TV shows like CSI you know, sensationalized, like adult baby play. Oh <laughs> gosh. Um, but pet play is, is, oh my gosh, it's so fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from the point of being um, a pet, there's that affection that an owner shows their pet. Um, this innate sense of, belonging of ownership um that is can bring a closeness um it doesn't necessarily like and no kink necessarily has to involve pain but with pet play it's like an owner um giving affection in whatever you know manner to their pet affection can be a belly rub a, a treat um you know a, a walk in the park um, from the submissive's point, they get to, to be nothing for a little while except for an adoring pet. They don't have to worry about taking care of the kids, um, worrying about work, worrying about deadlines. Their only job is to receive affection, sometimes discipline, um, and to entertain their mistress or master. Um their owner pet play can be just basic cuddling and name calling <laughs> like mm -hmm. my little kitten um you know and like there's that's just it's so innocent and sweet to call somebody your little kitten and have them come over and curl up with you and stroke their hair and it's just very intimate um it doesn't have to be all you know insertable puppy tails and uh, pony carts and all of that. Uh, although it can be, that's always great fun too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of it with a lot of uh, kink and BDSM is just all about escapism and letting go of your day-to-day -day obligations and uh, playing you know, when you're a kid, you play, you explore your body and the world around you. Um, and then you're sort of expected to stop doing that when you're an adult and sex becomes this orgasm centric event when it doesn't have to be. 
Yeah. I love that you mentioned it can be as simple as a nickname like kitten and the cuddling and you know, I had a I had a lover a couple of years ago whose nickname for me was Kitten and, and as time went on it became very, very special and and anytime he used that name it was almost like a, a caress of I love you. It was just mm-hmm. something that created a really intimate dynamic between us and became super powerful. And it was kind of an, an unintentional thing that started happening but then it became a really important part of how we communicated and um, how we cared for each other and so I love that you're offering that up as one example of like it can be all the gear and all the activities and all of the fun that comes from new outfits and and new skills but it can also be this like incredibly intimate, quiet, beautiful sharing of just creating this little world that's for the two of you. And, and it can kind of run the gamut and be both or, or one or the other. And just kind of the flexibility and the options that are available in that, which kind of comes back to your, there's no right way to, to do it of you get to make it your own and it can feel however you want it and need it to feel. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you can be a top who enjoys spankings once in a while, um, you know, and and you can direct your submissive how to, to flog you or fist you or, you know, how to do activities that were, are generally sort of associated with being submissive. So it, it, you know, mix and match and, and Jeff definitely, do what works for you. You don't have to be over the top kinky and you don't have to spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's something just terribly fun about shopping for pervertibles at uh, the local kitchen store. Yeah. Did you know that I do one-on-one coaching with both individuals and couples? I know technically that's two-on-one coaching, but you get the idea. I am now accepting new clients. I love working with couples. I've completed both level one and level two in Gottman Method Couples Therapy, as well as Terry Reel's Relational Life Therapy, which is counseling for couples. And I love working around places where you feel stuck, helping you to find new ways to communicate, to navigate conflict, to explore desires and fantasies, to connect around the places where you just feel so disconnected, and finding new ways to introduce play and joy. I also work one-on-one with people who are struggling with body image, trying to find ways into fat acceptance and self-acceptance, solo pleasure, all kinds of deliciousness that you could use support around. That's what I do. I work with couples, with women, trans and cis, as well as queer folks. So be sure to head to dawnsarah.com slash work dash with dash me. The URL is in the show notes. If you would like some one-on-one coaching, I have hour long sessions as well as quick little lightning sessions that are 20 minutes, which are great if you just need to process something really quick. So check it out and I will talk to you soon. So I would love to shift gears a little bit. There is something else that I know you've taught about and talked about and certainly worked with 
clients around that I have also gotten um, emails and comments about on the show. And that is from people who are interested in orgasm control. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I've gotten questions from people about like, why? And then I've gotten questions from people who were like, I really want this, but I don't know how to kind of bring it up with a partner or how to make it happen. And so can we just kind of talk about orgasm control a little bit? Anytime. Yes. Uh, See, that's another one of these games that are played so often in a professional dungeon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never see classes about this at the local sex shop. Um, And I really need to start offering this class. Uh, Because there is so, like, it's orgasm control and orgasm games can be incorporated into any activity. Pet play like extreme kink, uh, extreme fetish, pain play, um, servitude. There is no, there's literally no game in kink or BDSM that you can't incorporate orgasm control. Um, it can be as simple as just tease and denial, uh, which is just such an amazing game for me. Um, because women are slut shamed so often and in tease and denial, you get to be a slut Mm -hmm. and you get to be as sexy as you want to be and you get to tease and then you get to say no (laughs) and you get to do, you know, Ah, we just had this conversation about blue balls and are blue balls really a thing? Oh my God. Uh, I so want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, oh, that came up on my page um, on Facebook and yeah. Wow. Okay. So society has this thing where a woman cannot give blue balls to a man. Oh my goodness. She's got to take care of that. Um and with cheese and denial, no, the whole thing is that you give them blue balls. Yeah. And the bigger and the bluer, <laughs> the better. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it will not kill you. It will not kill <laughs> and you. And in fact, some people love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what can happen in those situations is if you're playing with your lover and you get them totally turned on and then you say, no, I'm done. I've come. I'm good. I know you didn't come and you're not going to. Let's go to dinner. You, you're you like sitting there at dinner with a partner that is, you know, <laughs> reliving their 15-year-old self, like <laughs> just so wound up and turned on and like every little thing, every innuendo, every like glimpse of skin is going to make them all excited and it's just a really fun powerful feeling to have that kind of control over somebody um and then you know there's also orgasm games that you can play with um edging or brinking um which i actually just had a quote in playboy about oh yay live in the dream finally in playboy (laughs) um but just edging um which is the act of bringing yourself or your partner to the very edge of orgasm and then backing off. Um, And this can go on for an afternoon 
a day or two, a weekend. I've assigned people edging um, with the dice, of course. Every morning, roll the dice. You have to edge as many times as comes up on there. Mm. Um, and I'll assign them to do that every day for a month before they come to see me. Do you know how fun someone is to play with when they have been edging every day for a month? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> the power your single finger can have. Oh my god. A smirk. It's all it takes. <laughs> and then there's chastity, like chastity cages that you can uh fit onto your male partner. There are some for female partners, uh for females, but um I've not found one that is comfortable to be in for any mm. length of time. Um, I have known females that, um, found that uncomfort, uh, that discomfort to be erotic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not discounting them. I'm just saying they're not comfortable. Um, the, I have a lot more, uh, experience also with the, the male chastity devices because yeah. as a pro dom, a vast majority of my clients were men. Um, chastity devices are awesome because if you're holding the key to somebody's chastity device, they suddenly do not have any contact with something that has been a source of comfort to them since they were a child, basically. Yeah. And ironically, it doesn't take the need away <laughs> but in take, <laughs> it makes them like obsess over the fact that they don't have access to that mm. anymore um and that can also be great fun because then you get to be like okay so let's see what are you gonna do to get this key back <laughs> what won't you do to get this key back <laughs> and then you get to like you know you get to be as mean as you want to be. Mm. It's in an envelope ta taped to um, a mile marker on Highway <laughs> 5. <laughs> See you in a few hours. Or another one that's fun is to get like a big two liter, like a milk carton, basically, and um, drop the key in there and fill it with water and then freeze it. Oh, <laughs> that's so mean. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Orgasm games. Yeah. Love them. It's so hard. So really quickly, I want to circle back to the blue balls conversation and then talk a little bit mm -hmm. about doming. But so I'm so glad you had this on your page and I'm so glad of the conversation that happened in the comments. But um, for people listening, you know, culturally speaking, blue balls is a, a very accepted thing and it's very misogynistic and sexist and Basically, culturally, what it means is if you tease a guy or you get him aroused and then you say no, you're giving him blue balls and that's not fair. Even if you don't mean to, even if he right. just happens to get turned on by what you're wearing. 
Right. And now he's suffering and you have to be the one that takes care of it. You owe it to him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the conversation was so wonderful because, you know, can you get aroused and can it be uncomfortable? Sure. Will that kill you? No. So <laughs> stop being a jerk. And some people pay for this. But... <laughs> even, I even had an ER nurse speak up and say, I work in an ER and I can, I can promise you that nobody has ever died from this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, like I can think of a thousand circumstances when someone might be super 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 turned on and right on the edge of orgasm and like a a kid walks into the bedroom mid-sex or a parent walks in on you while you're masturbating and you have to kind of stop really quickly and nobody died after that and so kind of this like cultural expectation that we place on women and feminine folks to kind of fix the problem quote unquote when Mm -hmm. really it's not it's not on them to fix you know you get to and what about blue labia? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, like, can you imagine a situation in which a man turned you on and you got to say, hey, you need to fix this? Right. Right. I would love to imagine that situation. In fact, I do imagine that situation often <laughs> in my private lady time. But... Um... <laughs> So you'll you'll be fixing this problem and you'll be doing it well. <laughs> kind of in that realm of that delicious bossiness. I get so many emails from women specifically who have a partner who's expressed that they're submissive and mm-hmm. they so want this person to kind of step into their inner dom and to kind of take over and become the the dom that they always dreamed their partner would be and and that can put a lot of pressure on somebody especially who mm-hmm. has never done this before but for people who kind of want to explore what it's like to be a dom and maybe they've never done it before especially if they're a woman um, and so it might feel a little uncomfortable to kind of think about taking on that role what are mm-hmm. some recommendations or some tips that would just help someone kind of start tapping into that side of themselves in a way that's authentic so that they're not kind of, you know, playing that head to toe latex whip cracker, unless that really is who they are. So mm-hmm. I would love to know kind of what you recommend for people who are like, where do I even start? <laughs> well, in a couple of months, I will recommend my book, um, which will be called, um, and kinky sex tips for curious girls. Um, and hopefully even by the time this is, it will be at least, hopefully it will be out. Oh my God. Details. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they will be the death of me. Um, the first thing I always recommend is knowledge is power. When you're going into a situation like this, where your partner is expecting a lot from you and you have no idea what where to begin, um, how to do anything, you know, you, you're just, you're very off kilter. Um, the first thing I suggest is to get the knowledge, um, to learn about your partner, but also yourself. A lot of people, you can go take 
classes on what your partner is interested in. Um, but I find that sometimes that gets people to be even more self-conscious because they're not sure that they're doing it right. Now they know, you know, before they were just like, I, I don't know what to do. So now I'm nervous. And then they go to the class and then they're like, Oh, so now I know that there's a way to do it. And I'm not sure I can do it right. So even I'm, I'm even more nervous now. Um, so what I really suggest is to read erotica together. Um, watching erotica is great. Watching porn together is great, but I find that reading, um, or even just sending stories back and forth to each other. Uh, It helps your partner understand what it is emotionally, go always back to the emotions, um, about being submissive or dominant that attracts them. It can be a little scary for somebody who's not kinky to have their partner say, I want you to dominate me. And they're just like, oh, I don't know what that means. But once you start reading erotica, you can see what your partner is getting interested in. And you can also find what you're interested in. Um, and then try to find a common ground between those two. Um, while playing to your partner is great. I always suggest that women find what is really, truly interesting to them. I think that women way too often end up interested in the kinks and the sexual habits that their partners have. Um, because women, are ashamed for having too much interest in sex, um, and especially any kind of non-traditional, non-vanilla sex. Um, so once the woman starts understanding a little more about what it is that her partner is looking for, and she's understanding what she's looking for, it's easier to find a common ground. Um, a lot of uh, submissives also the thing that really, really, really turns them on and really gets them off is making their dominant happy. Mm. So if they really have, you know, a foot fetish and they want to be dominated, um, with your feet, but you're reading about this and you're like, okay, what I sort of have a spanking fetish and I really want to spank you. A Submissive is going to be like, oh my God, you want to spank me? Like it turns you on to spank me. Uh, Okay. You spank me and then I can worship your feet. You can, you know, work with those things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. I end up just getting all excited and talking in one direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that I love so much about what you're saying is like, I have a listener email in front of me that. I would love to read because it just kind of builds on this a little bit. Um, But Mm -hmm. before we get to that, you know, I love what you're saying about the submissive gets to ask for what they want and have all these fantasies and to want to live these things out. And the dominant gets to find what they want to do and what works for them. And then the two of you get to collaborate on ways Mm -hmm. to make that a yummy space because so many of the emails that I get are, you know, my partner wants X, Y, Z, and I'm trying really hard to do X, Y, Z, and I'm not sure that I'm succeeding. And so often I have no idea, well, what is it that you want to do or what do you want to explore? It's just, I'm trying to meet this other person's needs and feeling like a failure. And so I love this invitation that you're offering of, you can, 
you can certainly work towards that and try it on, but you also get to find out, like, if I'm going to be dominant, what's my version of dominant? And it might look really different than what this other person is expecting out of me, but you get to do what feels good for you and then kind of find that place where the Venn diagrams all overlap. <laughs> yes. And the thing is that when you are doing something that you are really interested in, your partner is, you know, going to enjoy that. Yeah. Um, they're going to enjoy your pleasure. And most people in sexual situations get sexual pleasure from watching somebody else get sexual pleasure or knowing that they're involved in giving somebody else sexual pleasure. So it becomes a very reciprocal situation. Um, and that doesn't matter what the activities are. Yeah. It, you know, the, that activity can be just watching each other masturbate and everybody gets all more and more turned on. Um, or, you know, spanking and tying up. And um, the other thing that um, I want to mention is if your partner wants you to be dominant, once you are starting to know what it is that you want to do, it can be very hard to do what it is they want you to do, um, to do what it is that they've been fantasizing about you doing. So don't do that. Mm -hmm. Even as a professional, I would have people come to me and be like, oh, I can't believe I'm finally meeting you. I've been looking at your website for, you know, 10 years and I just finally am in town and I get to meet you and I'm so excited and I'm so excited to play. There's no way that I could live up to the expectations that they've had after 10 years of masturbating and reading my website. There's no way that someone who's new to kink is ever going to be able to live up to what's going on in their partner's masturbatory fantasies. Yeah. But the thing is, once you play and you do the things that you want to do with your partner and you create your own memories and your own erotic events that are based on you, the top, your interests, in addition to your submissive's interests, you create a, something completely different you're never going to be able to create what is going on in their head. Don't try. Yeah. Create your own thing. So speaking of, I received this listener email that says, Hi, Dawn. I just wanted to begin by saying I love the show. I just started listening and it's been very entertaining and educational. Recently, I connected with an old flame. I've always known he was kinky, but he's finally trusted me enough to tell me a few secrets. He's interested in a DS relationship where he is the submissive. He wants me to take control in all aspects of the relationship, in the bedroom as well as out. I have a very dominant personality in the bedroom, but I'm having a lot of trouble taking control in the day-to-day, -day. so I'm very curious about how to make this a lifestyle. Do you have any tips? Thanks, Anonymous. Hmm. So that can be um, a lot of uh, responsibility for a top yeah to have responsibility for somebody 24 7 um, so the first thing that I always suggest is the top needs a fail safe the top needs a code word or something to communicate that they are not in the space that they need they need downtime um, I have had uh, women 
who have worn a certain scarf when they needed downtime or a certain piece of jewelry or going the other way, depending on, you know, whether you're playing more or playing less, um, that piece of jewelry or that scarf can mean you're in the mood. Um, it's a visual signal so that you're not constantly, you know, saying yes or no, and you're not constantly micromanaging. Um, the other thing is to set up, uh, assignments. Um, assignments can be the, what they eat for breakfast, um, it can be, you know, anytime I walk into the bathroom and you're in the shower, if I peek in the shower, you better have an erection. Mm. Um, you know, little things like that. And then they should always be reevaluated uh, fairly often, weekly even, mm-hmm. um, with new rules that go into place. Because otherwise it just becomes an, another obligation. Um, so if you have a list of a list of games, shall we say, um, like breakfast control, uh, what you're wearing, um, you know, if you have a list of those, and then every week you instigate in implement, um, you know, two or three of those, mm. and then at the end of the week you pick two or three different ones, so that you're constantly mixing it up. Um, there's also ways to just always have certain things. Um, I had my submissives were always supposed to walk on my left when we were out in public. If we were, they were on the my right, I got to slap them Ooh. or hit them, backhand them. Yay. Um, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in public and you do that to somebody, they only, <laughs> they, don't, they, they catch up with your, uh, they remember yes. after that. Um, <laughs> I, or, you know, another thing that I always had them do is um, having to wear like a white button down when they came to see me or like a certain, you know, not being aware, allowed to be out in public with me with a T-shirt with like slogans and stuff on it. Um, so pick little things that um, are symbolic of your relationship that fit into your lifestyle um, and reevaluate often because otherwise it is just, you know, you don't want your erotic behavior to all of a sudden become like unload the dishwasher, fold the clothes, make sure that somebody's masturbating in the shower, but not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, that takes all the fun out of it. Yeah. So, on a very similar vein, I got this other email about a daddy little girl dynamic. Do you mind if I throw it at you too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go. So I got an email from um, Fox's Little Chew, and it says, Hi, Dawn. I absolutely love the show. I just started listening on a move across the country about two months ago, and I've now listened to just about every episode. I came to it because I'm in the beginning of my first daddy-girl relationship, same for daddy, and I'm trying to learn about what all of it means. Daddy has been in the community longer than I have, but I'm his first submissive as well, so we're taking it slow and trying to learn together. And then there's some wonderful other comments about coming into her sexuality and getting connected with her body, but her question is, 
My relationship with daddy is new for both of us. I'm a good student and a good researcher, so I'm diving into as much material as I can get my hands on, and we're starting to give each other homework to learn more about each other, how this works, and the history of the community. One of the things we're looking for is more resources regarding punishment and rewards for a daddy-baby-girl dynamic and anything on training, since frankly, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We've read (laughs) things here and there and are taking things into consideration as we dive further into this, but none of it has said anything that we couldn't have guessed. So if you have any advice for us in terms of training and punishment and rewards or other resources, we would love to hear it and check them out. Thanks for everything you and your guests have done and are doing to change the culture and conversations around sexuality. I had no idea how much I needed it, and I feel like I've converted to a new way of life that I'm so excited to share with others. Oh, that is such an awesome, amazing, sweet letter. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> First thing is, it sounds like they have a thirst for knowledge, which is awesome it's amazing um never lose that but it sounds like they're also taking it slow and learning about each other and sometimes though it's just about continuing to learn and continuing to adapt um what works for you and not worrying about doing it right um finding community online um through FetLife or through your local uh, munches. Um, If you want to take it further and learn more, um, depending on the age of your baby girl, um, I like to pervert things. So I spend a lot of time on like homeschooling sites. And um, you can, there's like, a lot of activities that you can sort of pervert. Some of them are in my book. (laughs) That's that's where I got some of my activities from. Um, So you can, you can do that just like, you know, when you're, you have a puppy that you're training a human puppy, um, you can go to the dog training sites and like, Oh, learn how to use a clicker and do clicker training and then do clicker training with your, your puppy out in public Um, with baby girl training It can be the same. Go to the homeschooling sites, find fun little activities, pervert them. Um, There is no right. uh, Read as much as you can, as much as you want, and take what you want and what you need from it. There is no right way to be a daddy daughter. There's no right way to do any of it. Um, It sounds like they're doing everything safely and learning about each other um, as long as there is consent true consent not baby girls doing things because she knows daddy wants her to mm-hmm. um, if there's true consent you're doing it right yeah. so high five high five I know and like <laughs> so excited for this new adventure and I love the fact that they're like giving each other homework to just learn more about each other Because Mm -hmm. I think that's so important of like, it's not only on the submissive to do like all of this emotional labor. No. Yeah. So that to me indicates at least the potential for a really healthy, juicy dynamic where you could go a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that they can do that I've, I've done with um, 
clients is keep a private blog. And if each of them can keep a private blog and find 30 day prompt, um, if there's, especially around, um, November, the national writing month. Um, but there's a ton of other places where you can find, um, writing prompts and some of them can be more intimate writing prompts about self-discovery. Um, I wish I had a link to send. Um, maybe I can find something for the, the notes when you do publish this, <laughs> um, but you can, you can each write separately, um, and compare notes afterwards. Uh, it can be a really great way to learn about each other. But that's also probably one of those things that they already knew. Because it does. <laughs> I know. It makes such a difference. And, like, I just love that they're on this journey together and that you're giving them these beautiful places to just go without it having to be about copying what other people have done. Exactly. You know, it's not like there's a checklist of here's how to do daddy, baby, girl dynamics. It's, well, learn a little bit and meet with community, but ultimately find what works for you. I mean, the punishment that feels like punishment for 99 other, you know, baby girls might not feel like punishment to you and things that feel like rewards might feel like punishments. So, mm -hmm. you know, the opportunity to just play in that space, I think is really exciting and to create something that's meaningful for, for them both is kind of the point. Yeah. And a, a lot of it is really just about knowing your partner's quirks punishment wise, if they are like somebody who's like really just has amazing handwriting punishment can be to write something out with their left hand, like a sentence, Bart Simpson style with a crayon, <laughs> you know, yes. and like, you know, give them shit because they can't write very well. Like they're writing, like I, I can barely read that. Try harder. You know, some of it is just like knowing your partner and, and knowing their quirks and yeah. being creative and, and, you know, quirky. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, to little Chew, I hope that that's helpful and that you and your daddy continue doing these beautiful adventures together. And we have reached the end of our hour. So Mona, I would love it if you could share with everyone how they can stay in touch with you, um, how they can find your O school streams and, and um, follow along with all your classes and uh, your book. Yay. All Things Mona can be found at darlingpropaganda.com. And from there, you can find links to me on Twitter and you can find me on Facebook and you can find a link to my community, which is a women only um, female identified uh, Facebook group where we talk about sex and kinky sex and sometimes our kids and uh, sometimes movies, but uh, lots of sex. Yay. Well, I will have links to all things Mona Darling at sexgetsreal.com for this episode. So please be sure to check it out. Also be sure to head to O-School and to support both of yes. us in our lovely streams that we do every single week. We love interacting with people in the chat and it's free. So yes. take a and look at it. And there's always something interesting. I mean, this week I'm going to be talking about pregnancy tests. Um, 
I am a dominatrix. I just have experience with pregnancy tests. Um, so it's not, it's just <laughs> all things sexy. Yes. So there's exactly. amazing things on O school. Yeah. So uh, to everybody who listened, thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, you can always send me questions at sexgetsreal.com. There's a contact form and you can send them in anonymously. I want to thank you so much for being here with me, Mona. This was delicious and juicy and so delightful. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) This was awesome. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.